Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, July 20th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, COVID-19 cases spike in Mississippi. Then a federal court ruling puts the future of DACA in jeopardy. And Jackson City Council President reacts to a new injection of state law enforcement into the city. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. COVID-19 continues its surge in the state. The Department of Health most recently reported a three-day total of 2,326 new cases of the disease. That works out to about 800 cases per day and accounts for positive tests registered Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sample analysis indicates that the overwhelming majority of new cases stem from the Delta variant of the virus. Mississippi State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says Delta is significantly more infectious than other strains of COVID. He also warns the variant spreads with relative ease in children and can overcome natural immunity. Yesterday, Dobbs tweeted that 323 Mississippians are currently hospitalized with COVID-19. That's the highest number of hospitalizations since March and an increase of nearly 200 percent from the 1st of July. Very sad indeed, Dobbs wrote. Didn't have to be this way. Fourth wave is here. University of Mississippi Medical Center COVID czar Jonathan Wilson concurs. It really is the fourth wave of this pandemic. Our numbers are back up to where we were following 4th of July last year. The, the scale of escalation in the number of cases, we've already seen, already are starting to see patients go into our ICU. Obviously, the case counts will go up, the hospitalizations will then follow, ICU treatments will go up after that, and we're already seeing limited capacity of ICU beds, not only in the Jackson metro area, but also around the state. 
As the Delta variant spreads throughout the South, pressure builds up on critical hospital resources, from basic PPE like gowns and N95 masks to high-end gear like ventilators. During previous spikes, the National Guard helped Mississippi hospitals source and distribute equipment. Now that support is gone. Hospitals must prepare to fend for themselves. Wilson is reminded of the chaotic early days of the pandemic. It's a lot like Yogi Berra. It's deja vu all over again. Um, We are ramping back up all of our isolation rooms, converting rooms that were normal rooms back into uh, COVID treatment bays. We were fortunate to have some state dollars invested where we have additional capacity this time. Obviously, staffing is still a challenge, but we do have more isolation rooms available to the medical center than we did even in the the January uh, wave. UMMC's struggles with hospital staffing can be credited to three distinct phenomena. First, Mississippi has for decades struggled to retain college-educated professionals within its workforce. That's been infamously true with regard to teachers. It's also true for doctors and nurses. Second, Mississippi's market for labor remains exceptionally competitive. This is likely, in part, a lingering result of enhanced unemployment insurance. Before those benefits ended last month, they allowed workers laid off during the pandemic to wait out favorable job offers. Unique to UMMC, though, is its push toward full vaccine uptake among staff. Specifically, the medical center recently mandated that all employees must either get vaccinated or wear an N95 mask at all times while at work. Per Administrator Dr. Alan Jones, if and when the FDA issues full approval for any COVID vaccine in the hospital, or the hospital will move to make inoculation a condition of employment. It's a policy that could irk vaccine-hesitant staff and applicants, but Wilson insists it's the right move. Well, I worry about staffing challenges regardless, um, to be honest with you. Um, I think the option of vaccination or mask wearing is really an inevitability around healthcare as a whole. I think that's the right thing to do for patients, and I think we'll see other hospitals and health systems going to that same uh, same approach. I mean, we take care of the sickest patients that you could imagine, from the geriatric patient to the neonatal patient. There's just no room for error there. We have to do what, what's right for the patient, and the best thing we can do is to be vaccinated. If we have uh, employees that choose not to be vaccinated, then we have to wear a mask to help protect those patients from potential infection. Once again, we are stuck watching case te- case counts tick upward, hospitalizations tick upward, deaths tick upward. It's a bleak and dismal ritual. Over the past year and a half, we've become accustomed to it. When we are where we are now in that holding pattern, we are impossibly disconnected. The human lives that hang in the balance at the University of Mississippi Medical Center get crushed into abstract data, indecipherable noise. We feel powerless. But Jonathan Wilson insists this wave is different than the COVID spikes last March or last July or last December. This time, every Mississippian has the ability to disrupt the course of the pandemic, and it's not all that complicated. Get vaccinated. The vaccine is our single greatest weapon against this pandemic. We know through the millions of people across the country that have been vaccinated that it's safe. We know that it's the way to limit the impact of the disease on our bodies. 
um, and it gives us a better chance of fighting off the disease so that we don't end up in the hospital or don't end up in the ICU. About two-thirds of Mississippians remain unvaccinated against COVID-19. Coming up, a federal judge strikes down DACA. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Late last week, a federal court in Texas ruled that the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, commonly known as DACA, was unconstitutional. DACA went into effect in 2012. Since then, it's granted people who came to the United States as young, undocumented immigrants the opportunity to qualify for a U.S. work permit. In his opinion, striking down the program, District Judge Andrew Hanen said then-President Obama overstepped his powers when almost 10 years ago he launched DACA via executive order. Miriam is a 22-year-old DACA recipient living in Mississippi. Because of the sensitive nature of her and her family's immigration status, we're only using her first name. Speaking with MPB's Desiree Frazier, she reflects on how the ability to work in the U.S. has shaped her life. A lot of people do not understand what DACA really is. If someone were to ask me, I could make them understand what all it's done for me, and it's helped me to be the person that I am today. It's helped me go to school, graduate with an associate, a bachelor's, and now I'm going to get my master's. And it's helped me get pretty good jobs, and now I'm going to start teaching as a Spanish teacher. Well, congratulations. That's wonderful. Tell us, what would you want to share with people to help them understand what the program is to you? To me, the program is an opportunity for people like me who came into the country at a very young age and had no fault for coming in here without any permission. It gives them a chance to show the country that we can be just as motivated as others. There's a lot of us that want to go to school, want to go to work, and want to succeed like me. And... That's what I would tell people that it's about and explain to them that it's very beneficial for us. And if we didn't have it, or if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have been able to do as much as I've done today. Tell us what country you're from and how you ended up coming to the United States. I am from Puebla, Mexico. I was born there and I was brought into the United States when I was only eight months old. My mother brought me to Texas at first to give me a better life, and then we moved to Forest, Mississippi when I was only two years old, and that's where my mom started working, and we've just lived in Forest for the rest of our lives. Do you want to stay in Mississippi? Yes, ma'am. It's pretty much my home is where I was raised. What do you say to folks who say you didn't come to the country legally? even though your mother brought you at a point where you weren't able to make the decision for yourself? Whenever I tell people that I didn't come to the country legally, they look at me with, uh, you know, with like a little judgment face. And then I explain to them why I didn't come in legally. I I told them I was only eight months old 
it wasn't my fault, and my mom was only trying to do the best for me. And when I tell them everything I've done so far, they come to conclusion and realize, okay, this was, you know, the best for her. And I explain to them what DACA is and what it's all done to, like, help me with. The federal judge's ruling won't affect you, but it will affect those who want to enroll in the program. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. How do you feel about that? I feel like they should continue the program. They should give the the other younger children a chance to enroll in that because there are so many parents that they bring their children here at a younger age just for that reason, just to give them a, a better opportunity to succeeding in life and a better education and a better way of life. But, like, it should not be revoked for the younger generation. It, they should still have a chance to do that. There is some attitudes, some thoughts from some folks that people from outside of the country who come here are taking jobs away from Americans. What is your perspective on that train of thought? I believe that it's not true. I believe everybody has the same opportunity to get the same job. As for me, the school district that I'm going to start teaching, they did not have any good Spanish teacher for the past 10 years or so. And now I'm going to be there and I'm hoping to do a good job and stay there for a while. As to other jobs, I believe that a lot of illegals don't take the jobs that, you know, people want. I believe they are willing to take the jobs that people don't want. Like, I know my parents work in chicken plants for years. I know a lot of people would rather not work in a chicken plant. There's also a lot of illegals that work in, like, construction and hard work and outside or farming. And those are jobs that a lot of people do not want. They're not willing to go and work in those fields. But these are still jobs that illegals will be perfectly happy with taking or not taking but having in order to, you know, feed their families and have what they need. What kind of work do your folks do? My mom does not work right now because my little brother has leukemia. But my dad, he actually works in construction with a bunch of businesses. He works with that. He used to work at the chicken plant for about 15 to 18 years. Their work was able to help pay for you to go to school? Yes, ma'am. And how is your brother doing? Um, My brother was diagnosed with leukemia four years ago. He still has chemo treatment and radiation. He still gets a very low immune system, but he's very strong and he's holding up and hopefully the best outcome will show. And as of right now, he's doing pretty well for how much chemo he's had. And we're praying that he'll get better soon. Well, our best to your family and to him, of course. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that is important to share? I just want to share that this program has really, really helped me a lot. I know I've said that multiple times, but without being a DACA recipient, I wouldn't have done anything that I've done today. I met most of my closest friends in college. I wouldn't have been able to meet them. I met my boyfriend of almost three years. I wouldn't have been able to meet him if I didn't go to college. 
and I've just met the most greatest people in college, and I've done so much. I have science degree, a cosmetology degree, and a Spanish degree, and I will have my master's in teaching soon, and I'm very thankful for that. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. President Biden says his administration will appeal the Texas ruling. The case would advance to the conservative Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Coming up, Jackson City Council president responds to Governor Reeves' newest efforts to curb crime in the Capitol. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Last week, Governor Tate Reeves rolled out a new initiative to increase state police presence within Jackson city limits. He did so amidst rising crime in the capital city that's expected only to intensify as temperatures spike. In the past, friction between the governor and city government over issues of jurisdiction within Jackson has sometimes gotten ugly. The state's attempted takeover of the Medgar Wiley Evers Airport evidenced as much. But this time, the city's happy to receive all the help it can get. That's according to Virgie Lindsay, who's Jackson City Council president. She speaks with MPB's Kobe Vance. The city council actually passed a resolution during the last legislative session asking for the state to increase its patrols along the interstates that run through our city, which are I-55 and I-20. And I was really thrilled when the legislation passed that would increase the patrols in the larger cities, such as Jackson and, of course, along the Gulf Coast and other areas of the state. So that is extremely helpful, and, and it will include state highways. And we have several state highways in our city, such as Highway 51 and Highway 49, for starters. So I am super encouraged and excited about this. And and that resolution that we voted on was unanimous. So I, I feel confident that all of my colleagues join me in welcoming this extra patrol. Can you describe for Mississippians what y'all have been seeing from the city council's perspective in terms of the crime rate in Jackson over the past few months? Well, it's more than just a few months. I mean, it really started an upswing when we shut down everything due to COVID. And like many cities across the nation, we have seen an escalation in crime and some really just tragic things throughout the shutdown and now beyond. So it is disturbing, it's upsetting, and it is certainly a huge challenge for our city. Councilman Stokes was considering calling, requesting the National Guard in the city. Now that the state has done this, what do you think this is going to be able to change? Well, I mean, we put his request in a committee because it needed additional study. I mean, one of the one of the concerns about the National Guard, of course, is immediately that's not really what they're trying to do. It's not what they do, and then also the cost is very high. And I wasn't really sure and neither were any of my colleagues where we were going to find that money. And and also, if, if we're going to put a lot of money into the National Guard, 
we need to really look at taking the money that we would spend for a few days of National Guard coverage into our police department because we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. It would have been very expensive. And But I, I appreciate his request, and I certainly have respect for his request because we are we are certainly in a, a trying time. But, no, I think that these two measures that the state announced this week, that the governor announced this week with his top law enforcement officials will certainly help using the Capitol Complex Improvement District's police force, the Capitol Police, which is now a part of the Department of Public Safety, more boots on the ground, more eyes and ears in the area within the city itself will certainly be helpful. Even though it's limited to the Capitol Complex Improvement District, that is a big expanse of our central city area and will be very helpful. What else would you like to see to help you know, address the crime rate in Jackson currently? We know and have known that we need to work towards sustaining and growing our police department. We've got a shortage of officers without a doubt. That's why what the governor did this week is so helpful to us. But we must stop and look at what is causing this uptick in crime. And it is a very troubling thing. I mean, we, we have seen crime increase among young people, the domestic violence, which feeds a lot of this horrible violence and uptick in murders is extremely troubling from a community standpoint. So it's the youth and the the domestic violence aspects of this need close scrutiny and close attention. And when the schools were closed, of course, it you know, we had children who just were lost. And I'm very sad about that. And I'm looking forward to seeing the schools get back into full operation, and I know they have been doing absolutely everything within their power to reach every single child and get them back into school, and I'm encouraged by that. But our community as a whole, including our churches and our social services organizations, our nonprofits, really, I think, are feeling a call to action. I'm hearing that from many throughout the community because they all realize that this issue cannot be resolved by police alone. It must be handled through a holistic approach. Yes, policing is a huge part of it and very important. The courts, the court system, the justice system, a huge part of this. And so are our community organizations and our churches. We just all need to band together to come up with answers and solutions. I was able to ask the governor the other day what he thought was part of the problem, and he was saying that the, he, he would like the city to address the bail in terms of having the, the number of people that are, are making bail and yeah. being released. Do you yeah, see that as, that as a problem? Or, well, I mean, that's what, that's what I mean by the, you know, the justice system. I mean, the court system and justice system, that's all you know, outside the council's reach, but I think all of that needs to be looked at closely. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you talking with me today. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio. 